Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 382, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertain. We've got a lot to entertain and dazzle you with. We got an interesting little Cowboys conversation. We've got some stars. We've got some Rangers all sorts of things, and it all starts at the very top, and that starts with Greening Law. I've been telling you about these guys, and, and I'll continue to push them for you. If, if you find yourself in the car accident like I did, if you've had an injury to your person, maybe you're on the premises of business, what have you, something that happened to you that wasn't your fault, and you see those medical bills start racking up, you got to go through and fight the insurance companies. Don't do it alone. Pick up the phone, call Greening Law. And if they bring you on as a client, um, their expertise, their knowledge of how to fight these insurance companies, it's, it's brilliant, it's beautiful, and you're going to love it. Dude, I love the way you said that. But you know what? You feel like that because grinning a lot, what they, to me, what they specialize in is helping you through a process. You know, whenever you're injured, you know, and it's not your fault, and it doesn't matter whether it's a car accident or you got hit by an 18-wheeler or you're at a business or, you know, wherever. It doesn't matter. It's a process uh, to do what's right by you. And the thing about greeting law is they walk you through that process. They hold your hand the whole way. They tell you when to turn, when to stop, when to look left, when to look right. And that's, a, to me, from what I hear, that's a really comforting thing for people because it can be intimidating going up against somebody else's insurance company, all this legalese, all this stuff. I mean, most folks ain't been through this process before, so they don't know how it's supposed to go. So you need somebody like Grinning Law to walk you through. So if you're involved in something like this, pick up the phone, give them a call, give them your situation, and check this out. The consultation's free. It don't really get much better than that. That's exactly right. And that, that's part of it right there is you may be, I don't know if I have a case. I didn't know for sure if I had a case. I called because it was free to call. They consult it takes like five, 10 minutes. And then they let you know, oh yeah, you got a case. We're going to bring you on. It's 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Green. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So you sent me this thing this morning and it, it, I told you this before the podcast. It's interesting, and I don't know who this guy is, but it was a list of 
rankings of where he has SEC coaches. Jeez, I was just saw something on Twitter. <laughs> NFL coaches. NFL coaches. And it's wild because, and we know this, and we've talked about this, whether it's Stephen A. Smith or name your favorite anti-cowboy, people will put cowboys in absurd positions and say things about Dan Orlovsky will do things to generate reaction. And so whatever this list was, I started looking at it and where he had McCarthy in the list of NFL head coaches was just silly to me. But then you start thinking about it. Okay. Well, where do you rank Mike McCarthy in the grand scheme of the head coaches of the NFL? Where does Mike McCarthy fit? That's a great question. I was sitting up here trying to figure it out. And, and a lot of this comes to mind when I was thinking about it. He feels like a Dak Prescott quarterback to me. Like he feels like he's somewhere between 9 and 11, somewhere in that ballpark. Some people might have him a little higher. Some people might have him just a tad lower. But he's a guy you can win with. And so he's you know, like um, – and so I don't think there's like this whole list of people in front of him. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, I don't think he's a great coach. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, and, and the more I see him, the more I like a lot of what he does. And then we'll see again this year as he takes over the offense, whether he can take a step up or whether he falls back because we all know ain't nobody staying the same. Yeah, and that's where this, this, like, this particular list got interesting to me because he doesn't have McCarthy in the top 20, which I thought was just asinine and done on purpose to gain reaction, which is why I'm not even going to say who it was because I don't want to <laughs> publicize and people get all pissed and then they go look at him and next thing you know, he's got a zillion views and he's like, ha it worked. But it's wild to me because I think everybody's going to put Belichick on top. Now, That's, if go you're, you're going to go most recent, I would actually put Andy Reid ahead of Bill Belichick. He's on top of my list. Andy Reid is the baddest man on the planet right now. And I think that's fair. It's, if we're just looking at the last handful of years, it, it's, I, I don't know how Andy Reid isn't at the top. You know, Mike Tomlin is obviously in the top 10 who consistently He's, gets it. Uh, is he winning Super Bowls every year? No, but he, the fact that that dude has been doing this now as long as he has and has never had a season below 500 is insane dude he's my number two guy and i have zero problem with that but outside of that that's where i think this starts getting really interesting you can make a case that doug peterson needs to be higher up there he won a super bowl with nick Foles, who came in and he changed things so that it would work with nick Foles. Now, he fell off in Philadelphia, but he shows up. He got the Jacksonville Jaguars in his first season as a head coach there who sucked under Urban Meyer, completely turns them around. They win their division at 9-8, and eight, and they win a playoff game. There's something to what Doug Peterson is doing. True that, true that. Sean McVay. Okay, they won the Super Bowl two years ago and then completely fell off of a cliff last year. You know, like, I think it's interesting. Like, this guy has John Harbaugh number five, and I look at that, and, and, and I'm just kind of like, why? Oh, see, I think Harbaugh, I have Harbaugh as my fifth guy, and I got him as the fifth guy because they do essentially what the Steelers have done, which is every year they're in the hunt. Every year you have to deal with the Ravens in some way, shape, or form. Um, they have a defensive identity, uh, and, and they got a, for the most part, and I don't know about the last year or two, but under Ozzie Newsom, they had a real separation of church and state. So Jim Harbaugh 
I mean, John Harbaugh is coaching the guys that he's given to work with. And as a special teams coach, you know, he's never an offensive guy or a defensive guy. Um, I think the, you know, so I think he's revamping his offense. He's got to with Lamar Jackson. But I think the fact that you can consistently win in the NFL and the league that's designed to keep you, you know, with parity and all that, I think he gets props for that from me. See, I think it's. You don't like him as much. See, I think it's interesting, like Harbaugh to me, because yes, he won a Super Bowl and that's going all the way back to 2012, which is what we do with Mike McCarthy. But McCarthy since then had at least gotten the Packers into AFC title games and has had success. Harbaugh has two playoff wins since they won the Super Bowl. No, don't be throwing facts at me, man. Well, it, see, but I always think this is interesting because everybody rips on Mike McCarthy. Well, what did he ever do? He only ever won one Super Bowl and he had the greatest quarterback of all time in Aaron Rodgers for years. And I sit there and go, and then we point out, okay, well then, what are we, are we going to penalize Bill Belichick if the Patriots never win anything again while he's coaching without Tom Brady? John Harbaugh, who has not had playoff success whatsoever with Lamar Jackson. Pete Carroll, who had Russell Wilson when he had his playoff success. Mike Tomlin had Ben Roethlisberger. Andy Reid has Patrick Mahomes to get him his ultimate playoff success. You know, like, where does this stop? Even Sean Payton, who we've talked about before, had Drew Brees for all those years. He only ever won one Super Bowl. But for some reason, we punish Mike McCarthy because he only ever won one Super Bowl. Yeah, I think that's because, you know, he's kind of a gruff in nature. He can come off as a little bit of a curmudgeon. Um, if you don't really watch him, his teams do their thing on a regular basis, you might not have an appreciation for him. Like, I've, I, I'm not afraid to tell you, I've gained an appreciation for Mike McCarthy. That's why I think he's a really good coach. Not a great coach, but a really good coach. Now, uh, I do have the right to change my mind because I do that with people as, you know, as you get more evidence. But, like, you know, when he let Kellen Moore run the offense, okay, fine. I like the way, okay, I'm going to let Kellen Moore run the offense, but I'm going to dictate the game by being aggressive on fourth down, by going for it sometimes in the first quarter, on the first drive to try to set a tone. All of those things. Um, and they were playing a certain way in a certain style. And it was clear that he was putting his identity on him. And that's what you want as a coach. You want to be clearly have a clear identity, a clear something that you're trying to accomplish, something that you're really good at, and something that's your calling card uh, for when things get rough. Like, it's interesting to me because you go down this list and, and some of the names that this particular person has above Mike McCarthy are just comical to me because, again, Mike McCarthy is, what, 24 and 10 the last two years in the NFL in the regular season? He's yeah, gotten so you to... Can't even, you can't even complain about that. He's gotten to the divisional round of the playoffs each time. Now, should they have gone further? Okay, but then why aren't we punishing some of these other guys? Like, for instance, here's who these are all names that this guy has ranked ahead of Mike McCarthy. Brian Dayball, Mike Vrabel, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, Dan Campbell, Kevin Stefanski, Kevin O'Connell, and Frank Reich. What have any of those coaches that I just listed, any of them done? Nothing, really. <laughs> not like literally nothing. Like, okay, say you don't think that Mike McCarthy should be in the top 10. He's not 21st like this person has him ranked. And he's not right. behind any of the names that I just named. Right. That's just dumb. Like, really? Mike McDaniel? What has Mike McDaniel done? You can make a case that Mike Vrabel has failed in Tennessee because they had the best team in the AFC the year they lost to the Bengals, had home field advantage, and didn't do anything with it. They've gotten nowhere in the playoffs with Mike Vrabel. Right. So Um, that's where this gets really interesting to me. Like, Dayball, what the hell are we? Dayball's the 12th best head coach 
because he got Daniel Jones and the Giants into the playoffs last year one time? Yeah, I mean, you got to, you know, part of being a good coach is longevity. I mean, that's what uh, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to have. Because, thing, and see, that's to me, that's why Sean McVay is still on the, um, we're trying to figure out where he fits. Yeah, he, he started off fantastic, then he had this dip. And now it's like, can he regain and take the Rams back to, to some degree of what they used to be? Uh, but I think the thing, oh, here's the other thing, man. I, I, like, Kyle Shanahan's like my number four guy. Because I think fine. he's terrific. I have no problem with that. Um, but, you know, coaching, man, and, and I'm not breaking any news here, but sometimes people need to be reminded of this. It's about players. The greatest coach in the world, you got shit players, bro. You're not going to do well. I'm sorry. You got to have players. And then you can take players and you can make them better through scheme and through motivation and all this other stuff. But you have to, at the end of the day, have players, which is why all these guys had quarterbacks. That's when they had their best success, bro, because why? They had quarterbacks, guys who could execute what they wanted to do offensively. Then the rest of their stuff looked good. But if you can't, if you don't have players, and where am I going with this? I'm going with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is not a dumbass coach now. It's just he don't have the same type of players. Right. And his issue, now follow me this, and I, you know, I don't think this is all that complicated. His issue might be he was such a great coach, he ended up with so much power within the organization, but he's a bad GM. You see where I'm going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why the Patriots ain't drafted nobody worth a shit that feels like in forever. And that's because, you know, he may wield so much power that, you know, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Like for me, like Zach Taylor, he has in the top 10. Okay. But again, we're going to punish Mike McCarthy because he only ever won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. And we're not going to acknowledge, well, what if Zach Taylor doesn't have Joe Burrow? Like, it, it all pairs together like you're talking about. They have the players. They have the guys. And I'm going to tell you straight up, and maybe this is crazy, I would, if, if the Bengals called and said, hey, we'll trade you Joe Burrow straight up for Dak, I would take that trade. Maybe that's just me. I think most folks would take that trade. Right. So it, it, it becomes one of those things where we'll sit here and go, well, Zach Taylor got to a Super Bowl. Well, Sean McVay won a Super Bowl. Well, in the, and I'm talking about recently since McCarthy's been with the Cowboys, like just ignoring what he did with the Packers and only considering what he's done since he's been with the Cowboys. That's where I think that this is really interesting. Are there coaches ahead of him? Yes, and we're going through that list, and we are telling you there are coaches better than Mike McCarthy, but I do think he's probably a top 10 NFL head coach. And for me, it's hard to not think that because he has had, has he had immense playoff success with the Dallas Cowboys? Obviously not. But again, in three seasons, the dude is 24 and 10 in the last two years. They won a playoff game last year. They've made the playoffs twice in a row. So if if we're just looking in the last three seasons, you know, okay, Andy Reid, obviously, you want to go there, that's fantastic. I mean, are we just doing coaches that have played in the Super Bowl in the last three years? Are we doing, I mean, how does it work? Like, what what quantifies what a, a great coach is? Like, I think Sean McDermott is a good coach because he showed up, Buffalo wasn't doing anything. Uh, now, they got Josh Allen, so he has that quarterback. But they've consistently been, you know, one, 10, 11 games. And I say that because, and it's not, and you say, well, he's got the quarterback. Well, what do we think about Justin Herbert? We think that's a terrific quarterback, and we all look at the Chargers and go, 
uh, Chargers always seem like they underachieve. Well, I never get the feeling that Buffalo underachieves per se. Um, whether they want to lose in the playoffs, they're, they're in the playoffs. They won 11, 12, 13 games. They're one of the teams you got to deal with right now. And I think that's a lot of that is McDermott came in and put a philosophy around them, and, uh, and they're, they're a good team now. Right, and we're not going to punish him for having Josh Allen. <laughs> right. And so You can't win without players, bro. Right, at, I know, at, I know, which is funny. McVay. No, but, but Mike McCarthy is supposed to win without players. Yeah, man. See, well, I think this is really interesting because I think you can make a case that Mike McCarthy has not done enough with what Dallas has. If you believe in Dak and if you don't, then you see, and that's where this gets really interesting. Because if you believe in Dak, you can make a case. Okay, McCarthy should have done more. If you don't believe in Dak, you should be blown away and think McCarthy is amazing. <laughs> but what's interesting like like I would say this so we both have Kyle Shanahan I would put Kyle Shanahan probably in my top five as well guess who the Cowboys have lost to the last two years in the playoffs Ooh, Kyle Shanahan eh? so do I have McCarthy ahead of Kyle Shanahan I do not <laughs> and you could make the case well what if they had gotten to play a different team in the playoffs in the second round and in the wild card round a couple of years ago if it wasn't San Francisco, would they have gotten past them? I don't, maybe they would have. Maybe right, Kyle right, Shanahan right. is just that damn good of a coach. Maybe if it had been Matt LaFleur or one of these other names that are ahead of him, maybe if it had been Pete Carroll in, in a Seahawks team a year ago, maybe if it had been Brian Dayball, maybe the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy would have beaten them, but they didn't right, beat right. Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. So, yeah, I, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's one of the top five coaches in the NFL. I don't know. I would not put Mike McCarthy as a top five coach in the NFL, and I think you're exactly right. I'd probably have him ninth or tenth. Yeah. And I don't know how you quantify that or what you weighed it on. Because if it's you've won a Super Bowl, well, he has that. If it's, oh, but you've won a Super Bowl in the last, let's say, five years. Okay, he hasn't done that. True. But then again, that would not, would that not drop? I mean, you can't have Sean Payton in your top 10 if that's the quantification. Right. Well, he wasn't even coaching last year. That's what I'm saying. So that's, that's where all this gets really sticky with me of what, how do you quantify what makes a great coach? Because, and we, we do this while we're talking about games and season. We were doing it last year. We always want to rip McCarthy when the Cowboys lose, but when the Cowboys win and go 12-5 and five in consecutive seasons, he doesn't get any other credit for whatever reason. No, yeah. No, I think what makes a, uh, what makes a great coach really is uh, sustained success. And sustained success in the, in the NFL is um, it's hard to do. That's why cats get fired all the time. I mean, if you, if you can stay at one place seven or eight years – and be right around, you know, nine or ten wins most years. You blip up and you hit 12 or 13 in your great years. You're a really good coach because it's hard to do because you're flipping the roster these days almost 50% every year. Yeah. You do have the cap issues, even though you have to deal with the cap, although you can manipulate it, you got to deal with it. You got to deal with, you know, bringing in, you know, 50% of a new team every year. And then you got the NFL schedule, which is the ultimate – thing to try to keep parity so if you can have sustained success uh you know over a course of six seven eight years that makes you one of the better coaches in the league 
Because cats get fired all the time because yeah. you can't do that. Like all the time. Like look at that list and see who's been at the same spot more than five or six years. Right. And it's probably all the guys at the top of the list. Yeah, man. I mean, pretty much. It, it's that longevity of showing that you know what it takes to have consistency. Yeah, I mean, just look at the first six guys. They've all probably been there six or seven years. Belichick's been there forever. Andy Reid's been there like 10, 11 years. Tomlin's been there forever. Pete Carroll's been there forever. Harbaugh's been there forever. McVay seemed like he's been there six or seven years. He's been there a while now. Yeah. Uh, and then you got Peterson. Uh, this is only year two. And then Shanahan has probably been there like five years. So, you know, I mean, you can just look at the top coaches. That's why they're the top coaches. It's hard to be at the same spot over a period of time in the NFL. It is very difficult to do so. We'll see if McCarthy can continue doing that. Because, again, if the Cowboys go out and win 10-plus games again this year, even if it's just 10 and they go 10-7. and seven. Right. But it comes back to playoff success. Playoff success is where this thing has to get, which is why McCarthy would not be higher than probably nine or 10 on my list because you have not had that playoff success. Right. Recently. But I'm, uh, I'm with you. I don't know how you have Mike McDaniel ahead of him. It, well, a lot of those, it's just dumb. So Dan Campbell's ahead of him because the Lions won seven in a row last year, I guess. Yeah, but see, again, these guys don't have, to me, they don't have enough of a track record to be ahead of them. You got to have, it's hard to coach in the league, man. (laughs) And it's hard to survive. And so if you can figure out ways to survive and have sustained success, uh, you know, because I bet on that list, I bet we can do it off the top of our head. I bet on that list, he's got McCarthy as the 21st ranked head coach or something like that. I bet he has more wins than everybody except uh, Belichick, Reed, Tomlin, Carroll, Harbaugh. Uh, him and Peyton are right around the same. I bet he's got more wins, and I bet that's where he is. I bet he's about seventh or eighth on this list in wins. But you got him uh, 21st on your thing, and he's only had like, you know, one or two losing seasons in – all the time he's been a coach. Yeah, I just looked it up. Mike McCarthy is currently fifth in active NFL head coaching wins. See, I, I was right. Okay, if he's fifth, that means he's ahead of one of these guys. I thought he might was he might have been behind. So who's behind him? Harbaugh or Harbaugh's behind him. See, he's six behind Pete Carroll. See, I mean, come on, man. Get, I almost, I almost. I mean, it's, almost it's, it's what it is. Like, like it, it's like I said, you don't have to think he's great, but you got to give him some credit for sustained success because it's so hard to do. Yeah, he is. He's got 155 wins. Carroll has 161. Tomlin has 163. And then obviously the other two, Belichick and Reed, are way up there. So, so he's basically within. Was he nine behind uh, Tomlin? Eight. Eight. Eight behind oh, Tomlin. On, man. And he's eight he's ahead eight of Harbaugh. wins behind Tomlin. So, I mean, and, you know, I think Tomlin's one of uh, – I think Tomlin's fantastic. So, you got to give Mike, uh, Mike McCarthy his props. Yeah, and then, sorry, I, I, I totally blanked on Sean Payton. Sean Payton is behind McCarthy as well at 152. So, he's three ahead of Payton and eight ahead of Harbaugh. Yeah. So I mean, making, this is something – my point that it's hard this. to win. So Mike McCarthy actually in his coaching career has more head coaching wins than Joe Gibbs or Bill Cowher did. 
And we think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Not only that, hell, I think they're both in the Hall of Fame. So that it's, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> but see, that's the problem is when you actually want to talk about it and dig into it, it it's, it's easier to post a list on social media and get a reaction so that you get a bunch of tweets and retweets and, and that's what the world has become now. Yes, sir. The world yes, sir. is about reaction and getting reaction. It's not about actual conversation or fact. And if you get reaction, shit, you can do a lot. It's all that matters. Oh, they'll pay you a ton of money for people to stand and yell at you for a long time. You know? That's kind of how it works. So let's roll forth here. Let's take a quick trip around the block. But before we do that, none of this happens, guys, without our fantastic sponsors, as we always tell you about. And Flow Air Heating and Air, as we enter the end of May, Memorial Day weekend coming up this weekend, there is a lot going on. The heat is here it's only going to get hotter and that's why i would take advantage of this now because you've got like a week left in may for the month of may only flow air heating and air is offering their yearly maintenance for 99 dollars a system instead of the normal 169 that's 70 dollars off their yearly maintenance package for your air conditioning to get it ready for summer to make sure that you're okay they're also running a special on ac surge protectors that they can tell you about it's flow air heating and air get your air conditioning serviced before you get into june july and august dude well how else can we tell you man you know this is the time of year because we know that string 100 degree days is coming we know it's it's on its way. We've all been there, and we've all been there, where most of us have, where your air conditioner just fell out because you worked it to death during the summer months. Don't let that happen to you. Call Flow Air, have them come out and give your system that preventative check that it needs. And here's why. What did my mom used to tell me before I took a long road trip? Hey, go get your hoses checked in your car so you don't have disaster while you're out on the road. I still do that to today. What should you do with your air conditioning unit in Texas? You should get a check before the summer comes, man. This is the time to do it. This is the time to make sure everything's working right. You got enough Freon in there. Your compressor's all 100% in good shape. Your filters are all working. Everything's tip-top, man, because when the summer comes and the heat comes and that thing is working overtime, you do not want it to conk out. Although, if it does, at least Flow Air's got 24-hour service. That's right. They do 24-7 emergency service. Or you could just take advantage of, I mean, I mean that's a great deal. $99 for their yearly maintenance for the month of May. I would take advantage of that. It's flow Air, heating and air. They provide all your AC and heating needs. You can call them. You can text them. It's 817-808-4115. 817-808-4115. Or Google them. Check them out online. Flow Air. It's F L O. A-I-R-E-T-X.com, Flow Air, Heating and Air. Bruce Biltong also making this thing possible, man. We tell you guys about Biltong, and again, it's like beef jerky. It's funny because I've had a couple of buddies that were like, man, like we were in Austin last week, and one of my friends was like, oh, I got to get some of this, this uh, beef jerky. And I was like, you know what you need to get is Biltong. And it's always funny because a lot of people don't know what Biltong is, and I tell them what that is. Like, really? I've never even heard of that. I was like, yeah, it's from South Africa. It's really, really good. It's better than beef jerky because it's more tender, it's more savory. Once you start eating bruised biltong, I I don't know that you can go back to beef jerky. Oh, let me answer that for you, my friend. You cannot, you will not go back to beef jerky. You'll be like me where people bring it up and, and you just be like, hey, well, what about some bruised biltong? No, dude, I mean, that's that's really why, where it goes. It's, uh, it's delicious, man. 
Uh, me and Matt like to slice Bill Tongue and get the slab. Uh, where you can slice it as thick as you want to. That's actually good, too. Uh, but the thing about it, man, it's uh, it's juicy. I mean, it's really weird because you don't expect that. And then you get that f- mouthful of flavor and it blows you away. Yeah, it's super healthy. Zero sugar, no artificial ingredients. And the best part of it is it's packed with protein and you get 15% off. The promo code JAM15 at checkout, J-A-M-15 at bruisebiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, bruisebiltong.com. So this trip around the block. So the other day, we didn't have a podcast on Monday and we warned everybody, we're not going to have a podcast this upcoming next Monday either because it's Memorial Day and I will be out of town again. And we'll have to figure that out next week because I'll be gone for a couple of days. But the reality of it is, I knew I was like, I, already I'm, I'm coming in. I was supposed to come in late on Sunday. It's past weekend. Yes. We were supposed to land in Birmingham at 1150 on Sunday night. I was sitting in Love Field Airport at 1150 on Sunday night because for whatever reason, our flight got delayed and I still don't know why our flight got delayed. There was no weather, nothing. The plane that we were getting on got there in plenty of time. Who knows what was going on? So we had, we, I'd been in Austin this past week and we flew, our connection was in Dallas. So we flew from Austin to Dallas and then we were going to fly from Dallas to Birmingham. I'm sitting, we get on the plane and they push us away from the gate and then we get called back to the gate. And the captain comes Uh-oh. on and he says, uh, sorry about this folks, they're calling us back to the gate. Looks like we got to pick up some cargo to take over to Birmingham. And we're like, what? Did they not already load the plane with our luggage and crap? <laughs> So apparently what, and I kid you not, we sat there on the plane for over an hour at the gate because, because we were in Dallas and I was flying Southwest, obviously that is the hub for Southwest. Apparently the main maintenance office is in Dallas for Southwest Airlines and they had a part that needed to go to Birmingham for a plane in Birmingham. And so maintenance had been working on it and got it ready. And they called us back so they could bring it over and load it onto our plane to take to Birmingham for them. Well, and I, damn, that's awful nice of you guys. I know. And I thought, really? So we all have to sit here for an hour just sitting on the plane because y'all can't figure out like, hey, we'll just throw it on the, the plane going out in the morning. Because it's not like it when we landed in Birmingham at 1.50 a.m. It's not like anybody was at the airport ready to work on a damn plane. Like, there was no maintenance guy who came running over like, oh, hell yeah, I've been waiting for this all day. Kick ass. I'll fix the plane right now. (laughs) I just thought that was so silly. Now, I will say, and Southwest is very good about this, we all got travel vouchers. So, you know, I've got, I think it was like $150 they gave us on a travel voucher, which basically will pay for a one-way flight on Southwest to pretty much most places that I would fly to. So that's good in... Kind of makes it worth it to me now just for an extra hour of my time. But man, I land in Birmingham at 1.50 a.m. And by the time, because we had bought some beer that I flew back with, had to wait for that to go come out on baggage claim, had to drop off my buddy at his house. I got into bed at 2.50 a.m. on technically Monday morning, Sunday night. Wow. So yeah, I was kind of glad that we didn't have to record a podcast. (laughs) 
That's a lot of travel adventure. Uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to take a piece of that story. That's just kind of par for the course uh, in general with big business, man. They don't they they put out all this marketing and advertising like they care about the consumer, but they really don't. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're talking about something like that where you know, let's can and let's inconvenience our customers so that our business yeah. can 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 transport a part. Or the NFL that says, hey, we're just going to flex times, you know, basically the whole season now. So whenever you buy a ticket, just, hey, it's a hope and a prayer that it's on the day that you thought it was on because we don't care. (laughs) You just have to, sadly, you just have to accept that as a part of big business in America because uh, that's the downside of capitalism. Yeah, and and again, like I said, I mean, for me, if they had told me when we were, we were leaving, now I would have rather they didn't get us on the plane. Yeah, like it, it would have been nicer. Hey guys, we're not going to take off until like an hour after we thought, so we're just going to let you sit in the airport instead. But we're going to give all of you a travel voucher. I I probably would agree. I have agreed to that because it's like I mean whatever. I'm going to get home late anyway, and now I can fly for free on my next flight. Okay, right. You know, like I I don't, that doesn't really bother me as much. I was also glad because our plane was not full, so I had an entire row to myself, which is always awesome. And I basically tried to lay and and just sleep on the flight best I could. The other thing I wanted to throw out is, and I bring this up because they just released this this past weekend. They have remade the classic early 90s movie, White Men Can't Jump. No interest, but you can tell me how it was. I'm not going to watch it. I don't give a flying F about the new one. But it prompted me. Okay, good. And okay. we do this on my show on the radio. We we go back and we'll watch older movies that one of the guys on our show has never seen. And he had never seen the original White Men Can't Jump because he wasn't born when it came out. <laughs> so I actually went back and watched it last night on Monday night. And I was curious, when when's the last time you think you the, the Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes original White Men Can't Jump? Well, I thought it was terrific. When's the last time you watched it? Probably like 25 years. Or did you watch it like more recently? Because I, I guarantee you I hadn't seen that movie since the late 90s. I'm trying to think. I may have I may have stumbled across it not recently, maybe 10, 15 years ago. I haven't watched it recently. Yeah, because it came out in 1992, and yeah. I didn't watch it in 1992. It was rated R, and I was 13 years old. But I, I, I watched it. I'd seen it a couple of times. But, man, I, I, had, I probably had not seen that movie in 25 years, I would guess. I mean, I think it's. A, I thought the original was a good flick, um, and I don't have anything bad. And if I run into it, I might stop and, and peep it for a little while. But I haven't even run into it lately. You know what I mean? Like I haven't seen it at all lately. Yeah, and, and they they remade it, which I like. You said I don't have. I have absolutely zero interest in the remake. And what's funny is it's not getting good reviews when the original, the original still has like an eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And in, it, it's interesting to go back and watch it because I forgot how freaking annoying Rosie Perez's character is. But I love her. With, with that, <laughs> you know, that, that voice, that high-pitched Brooklyn accent voice. Yeah. I forgot how much nudity was in the movie. Really? Oh, the, her, her and Woody Harrelson get it on like three or four times. Really? Yes. And I complete, I, you could have told me that there was zero nudity and there's no sex in this movie. I would be like, oh, yeah, I don't remember that at all. Oh, well, perhaps I need to go watch it again. Perhaps, man. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, basically, the whole movie is just a bunch of, like, really well-done trash talk. Yeah. it's. Uh, I don't know why they felt the need to redo that one. I don't either. It was never a movie that I would have looked at and thought, 
because I, I don't know, and, and I haven't played pickup basketball in years. I mean, but originally, like, remember, because Hoop It Up was a big deal, and maybe it still is, you know, the three-on-three basketball tournament right. that would come around. And, like, in the early to mid-'90s, that spawned a bunch of, like, all kinds of places were doing those three-on-three tournaments. And Hoop It Up was, like, the big one that got super famous and popular. You know who used to work for Hoop It Up? Who? You did? Our friend, our friend Juan from uh, Smokey John's. Did he? I think not I knew only that, did, actually. Not only did he work for Hoop It Up, Hoop It Up had gotten so big, he worked for Hoop It Up in Europe. So he went all over Europe Man, setting up wild. courts. And, uh, I mean, he did that after college for like a year or two or three. Yeah, that's, that's it. I remember because around the Rockwall Rowlett area, it wasn't Hoop It Up, but Lake Point Church that's out there that now is in Rockwall, it used to be in Rowlett. Every year... Right. And it might have been because of white men can't jump. They had a three on three basketball tournament. And this would have been because I was I played in it in 1992, 93. All right. All right. And, you know, they had different age brackets and whatnot. And it was like, hey, get people in, in our church and we can pass out stuff. But we also have this big tournament going on. I mean, Hoop It Up was actually cool, bro. It was a lot of fun. You'd, you'd get a couple of your buddies. You'd go out there. Everybody can play three-on-three half-court basketball, I mean, if you know how to play basketball at all, and it was just right. fun. No, that's that's to me is why it was cool. It was uh, – and, you know, and I liked it also because I thought the, uh, the divisions were good. Okay, if you're really real basketball players, y'all play over here, and then the regular people, y'all can play over here. Right, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I thought it was all good, and uh, you know, it, it was fun. It was competitive. I covered it a couple of different times for the morning news, uh, where you'd go out there all day and come up with little short vignettes on five or six different teams, yeah, uh, or stories out there. Um, but it was it was always fun, man. West End hoop it up. It was it was fun. It was good times. Yeah, man. And I mean, obviously, the guys playing in the real tournament that were at the certain level, I, you'd go out there and watch and think you were watching dudes that were borderline NBA players. Well, shoot, sometimes they were. They were either former NBA players occasionally or, you know, high-level college guys who who no longer played. Or I mean, it was all good, bro. Yeah, man. Hey, I mean, there was something about that. Matter of fact, I wouldn't that, mind yeah. going to watch them hoop it up now. Yeah, and, and, and that was – there was something to that. I mean, I, I haven't played pickup basketball in a long time. The last time I played, I, I just – I'm not – the problem with playing pickup basketball – Okay, hold up. Let's define pickup basketball. Are we talking about it like the Y or are we talking like outside at the playground? Yeah, the last time I did it would have been like at the Y. Okay. We're just walking in and guys are like, you know, there's a game going, hey, dude, you know. And they Who's do this like all the time, like at, around Dallas, like in an LA fitness or whatever. You know, you go in yeah. there, there's a ton of dudes playing in the gym. Like that type of pickup where you just go and you don't know most of the people that you're playing with. Sometimes you don't know any of them. Right. Man, I, I mean, I used to play, and I'd try to go up, and i just get in. And it, the problem becomes is that once you get older, the younger dudes think that they're actually in the NBA. Yes. You know, they try to run you over there. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm not trying, I'm not, I don't want to go home because <laughs> I am hurt and all this type of thing. This is ridiculous. Dude. I don't need to get uh, elbowed in the face. You know, cool, kick ass. You hit a three in my face. Awesome. You don't, I mean, it's whatever. Now, you know, bro, I think here's I find this interesting. Uh, I was, when I went to Jackson a few weeks ago uh, for the speaking engagement, I took my son with me. We're talking on the way down there. And he was telling me he likes to play pickup basketball. Yeah. I said, really? Uh, 
because he played in middle school and playing football at a school like DeSoto, unless you're like that level athlete, they yeah. basically make you choose. Basically make you choose. And so he chose football. But he, you know, he still really enjoyed basketball. So he likes to get out there. And then he told me something, and I couldn't decide whether I was proud or not. He says, now we're talking pickup basketball. He says, oh, I'm that lock it down guy. I go, what do you mean? Oh, I play defense like none other in pickup. Hmm. All right. <laughs> okay. I said, really? He said, oh, yeah, I always want the guy who's got the – I always want the best player, and I just want to play defense. <laughs> I, I mean, like, Dude, you're I, insane. That's interesting in pickup basketball. That's what I'm saying. That's why I called him insane. He says, oh, it's the competition, man. They're trying to score on you, and you're not letting them score, and then they get mad and frustrated, and you're just like, bring it. And I'm like, dude, this is side of you. I don't get to see that often. But, you know, on football, he was never, ever, ever, ever interested in playing offense. He just wanted to hit people. Huh. <laughs> okay. All right. His happiest day at DeSoto was when they told him, because he, he was a weird athlete because he grew a little bit late. He went from left tackle in the seventh grade to tight end defensive end in the eighth grade. And then his happiest day was in the ninth grade when they said, oh, you look like a linebacker. No more offense for you. And uh, he was just happy as happy could be because he never liked playing offense. You know what you need to do, perhaps, is just put him in touch with somebody at the Mavericks and be like, look, young dude, college age, and he does, you, they don't even pass him the ball. I'm, he might be the best defensive player on the Mavericks right now walking in. And bro. You know what's funny about that? What 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 was his favorite shot? You tell it's me. Cor- it's a corner three. He's a three and D guy. Oh my god! He's a three and D guy. He uh, he spent hours working on his three pointer from the corner. I mean, that's. I mean, again, a lot of defenses just want to. And then uh, now now I have to go back down memory lane and tell you one of my proudest moments. I was covering something, so I got to the game late. And I uh, walk in, and this, this is in the eighth grade, and the principal goes, where you been? Your son's on fire. I say, really? What's he done? Every time he throws up a three, it goes in. And just as he says that, he's in the corner. Bang. One more three. Hmm. Yeah, bro, it happened. Now, I never had any of those moments for my, fa- for my parents, so, you know, sucks for them, but I got a few. Yeah, well, that's good news for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, uh, man. That's Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, it, like I, I quit playing pickup basketball because I got tired of. Uh, I didn't. Once I got older, and I'm talking about in my 40s, I just had no interest in turning ankles and being hurt. Yeah, that happens too. Lift. That's like I miss the competitiveness of it. And if I could find people, because I've tried to get guys at the station to play, and none of them want to do it. And like, right. like if I could find guys that were my age that were not trying to win NBA championships in the middle of a random gym. Right, right, right. And just want to go out there and, and ba- you're basically <laughs> shooting around, but you're kind of playing and having a good time. Then I'd yeah. be good. But I, I don't want to get elbowed in the chest. And, and you don't look, dude, you, you know, put a hand in my face. You don't have to get up on me and bump me and stuff. Like, I don't I'm not. A, I'm, let's just have a right. good time. And everybody leave healthy. Right. Exactly. And, and you know, you're not trying to undercut guys and you're not you're not really boxing out when you're playing when there's a rebound and stuff. I mean, I've done all that. I just let's go out and shoot, but make it a more competitive shooting type thing. But nobody <laughs> wants to do that. Nobody is interested. 
And I'm not going to go randomly and play with some random dudes anymore. No. So that's what I was asking because, you know, even the gym is all right. I haven't been out to play the park in forever. Yeah, it's too much, man. It's all too much. It's too much. People get too competitive. You get that sweat flowing. Next thing you know, some dude's elbowing you in the face. And now you're like, great. You know, when I was a kid, you could get fixed for free. And then you become a parent. You realize, holy (laughs) shit, this stuff costs a lot of money. Not only that, man, and then you you never wanted to, something happens and escalates and somebody's like, I'm going to my car. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, I'll show you. And you're like, really, dude? I mean, what, you know, it's wild. So we'll move forth here. Got a couple other things to dive into. And one of those is freeway tire shop. You gotta, you gotta get over there, man. I was thinking about this. I ran into a situation. Oh, I forgot to tell this in my story too. So Late night, everything, you know, try to sleep in as late as I can on Monday morning, but I can only sleep so late. I don't even get five hours of sleep. I'm exhausted. Get in the car to go to the station and the car doesn't start. Oh. And it's a bad, I mean, it's a battery. Like you can, you, you know how it'll kind of start. And it's, it's not that it yeah. won't start. It's just that it won't fire up because the battery's dead. And right. she had told me that she was like, something's wrong when I start the car. It's like kind of weird. And I was like, oh. I was like, it must be the battery. And sure enough, so I had to do the show from home on Monday, and a buddy came over, jumped my car, go get a new battery and all that. But there's, it's always something with your car. There's always something with your car. It's like you go out, you're like, oh, I need new tires. Oh, I need my brake serviced. You look up, and that little sticker in your window, you're like, holy crap, it's been 9,000 miles since I had an oil change? Man, I need to go take care of that. <laughs> That's why Freeway Tire Shop exists. And the fact that you can do all these things that are annoying and frustrating with the car, but you can go to a mechanic that just takes care of you and stands behind your work, his work, and gives you peace of mind, it, it, it helps take some of the stresses of the little things with the vehicle away at Freeway Tire Shop. No, man, Freeway, Freeway Tire is great. JR, the guy who owns Freeway, Freeway Tire is fantastic. And that's because... Um, you know, he learned about customer service from Home Depot. He was in their management training program for a while. I uh, worked at Home Depot. And then he, he started his own business as a young guy. And, dude, he's just built that business on trust, and that's why I rock with him. And so I tell everybody that if your mechanic doesn't do everything that I'm about to tell you what he does over Freeway Tire, then you just need to stop and go to Freeway Tire because you can trust him to take care of your car. Number one, you can trust him to diagnose what's wrong with your car. How about this? Number two, you can trust them to use quality parts to fix your car because we all know not everybody does that. Uh, the third thing he does, you can tr- trust them to charge you a fair price and then you can trust them to stand behind his work. So like I said, if your mechanic isn't doing each of those four things, not two out of four, not three out of four, but all four of those things, then run over to Freeway Tires right up uh, five minutes from downtown. You take 35 like you're going toward Denton North, get off at Commonwealth, go through the light, look to the right. He's right there. Uh, you cannot miss it. I mean, literally, you can't miss it. Uh, you go in there and let him work on your car. You'll be glad that you did. Trust me, it's uh, it's the only place I take my cars. Easy to do, man. Freeway Tire Shop. Check those guys out. And, of course, drop off your car. Let JR and his guys work on it and swing by and go see Smokey John's Barbecue. They're essentially right around the corner, just five minutes away right there on Mockingbird. I will tell you this. For those of you listening to this on Wednesday, May 24th, you have until 5 o'clock on Wednesday, May 24th to order the Smokey John's Memorial Day pack. I know for everybody, if, if I do stuff for Memorial Day, everybody's doing stuff for Memorial Day. And my family is having a gathering this weekend, and I'll be in Dallas this weekend. 
If you order this by five o'clock on Wednesday, May 24th, you can get their Memorial Day pack, three pounds of wings, two pounds of ribs, two pounds of chopped brisket, including the rolls if you want to make sliders, a half gallon of potato salad, a half gallon of baked beans, all of that for $195.95, but you must order by five o'clock on Wednesday. And if you tell them you heard about it on Jam Session, you get a free gallon of Smokey John's homemade sweet tea or lemonade. Dude, does it get really much better than that? No. I, I mean, it really doesn't. And if you want to roll by Smokey John's, which is, you know, not that far from Freeway Tire, like five-minute drive. Yeah. Then go in there and check out the Jam Session Bowl. Uh, I was, you know, man, I was cleaning out my phone yesterday, and I found a picture of the Jam Session Bowl. I almost posted it, but it looked so good. I almost went over there, too. But I, I didn't. I manifested some self-control. But uh, the Jam Session Bowl, y'all got to check this out. What it is, it's a bowl. <laughs> and it's either got macaroni and cheese or it's got mashed potatoes at the bottom of it. And then you get to pick two out of five smoked meats. Your boy usually rocks with the sausage and the brisket. All right. Then all the stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, they throw that stuff on top of the uh, top of the meat and the base. You know, sour cream, chives, bacon bits, butter. It's, it's the works. Then you can either drench it with that sweet Sweet Smokey John sauce or drizzle it. Either way, it's delicious. That's the Jam Session Bowl. It's fantastic. Um, we've had a bunch of people go there and check it out and send us pictures about how good it is. Yeah. Nobody's ever said anything less than phenomenal. So I advise you on Memorial Day weekend, if you're not getting a family pack, roll through there and check out the Jam Session Bowl. Yeah, send us a thank you card later. I know you will. It is phenomenal. Smokey John's barbecue. As we move forth, this is, I'll tell you, man, on, on Sunday afternoon, I'm in Austin. I make my friends and my brother. We go watch the Dallas Stars game two at this sports bar in Austin. It's a nerve-wracking game. Stars are playing really, really well, but for some reason, they didn't get, I, I'm sitting there the whole game. My friend's like, man, they're winning. There's only a couple minutes left. I was like, no, I was like, I just feel like like you want to be three one because you never know. End of a game, that desperation kicks in for the other team. Now, I didn't expect this. Stars are up two one with just over two minutes left in game two. Ryan Suter, who's been in the NFL like 17, 18 years, whatever it is now, a longtime veteran NFL defenseman. At one NHL. point, at one point, he was one of the best NHL defensemen there was. I mean, top level, one of the best in the league. Makes a boneheaded mistake on defense that you just, you wouldn't expect a guy of his level and his, like having been in the league that long. And it led directly to a goal that tied the game at two and forced this thing to go to overtime. And I mean, my God, overtime, you barely got excited they were in overtime and, and, and boom, Vegas, somehow it's over just like that. Well, you know what, man? You had barely stopped. Matter of fact, you might not have even stopped bemoaning the fact that um, Wyatt uh, missed, a, missed a chance to score when they went down the other end and, and popped it in the net on a, kind of a weird four-on-three where the where the lone guy who was unaccounted for scooped in and popped in a rebound. Yep. And, uh, you know, man, it's, uh, it's, it's what it is. It's uh, – I think as soon as it was over, I think I tweeted, oh, it's another tough loss, kind of like deja vu, but the series isn't over. 
Both of these games have been pretty tightly contested. The Stars played 58 minutes of a perfect game. They just lost it at the end. Uh, they got to come back to the crib and win uh, because what do we always say? What's the cliche? Series doesn't begin until the road team loses. So, you know, uh, they got to just come home and figure out where the whole court. You got to win. Obviously, we won't know because they play on Tuesday night and we're recording this on Tuesday. So we'll all know Wednesday. 3-0, you can't do it. At 3-0, the series is is basically over. It's tough. That was a, to me, that was like a devastating loss because the Stars outplayed Vegas. They were the better team. I, I thought Vegas was the better team in game one and the Stars somehow scrapped their way that probably should not have gone to overtime it's too bad the stars couldn't steal it vegas stole game two and it sucks to be down two games to none but if you can get to 2-1 probably got to win both of these games here on home ice this week and if you get to 2-2 then you go best of three two games in vegas you take your chances you see what happens i mean that's i mean that's all you can do bro i mean i think that's that's what it's about and you know again we've said the stars are a really talented team uh obviously vegas is, is had the best record in the West, but the Stars can certainly, I mean, I haven't seen anything that says, oh my God, the Stars can't play with them. How will they ever come back and win this series? It's going to be more difficult now because eventually you got to win one in Vegas, but hell, they just lost two games in overtime. So it's not like they should they should feel a certain way about, their, about an inability to beat them or win in Vegas. They just have to go execute. And it starts with, uh, you know, as, as the cliche goes, a shift at a time. But you, you're at the crib, and you got to get game three. We know this. I expect them to win game three, really. I don't, I'm not even, like, all that concerned about it. I think they'll come out and play really well and, and take it. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, and, I mean, the reality of it is I forget exact numbers on this, but teams that go up, like, 2-0 in a best-of-seven series in the NHL, or it's something like they win 86% of the time, whatever it is. So the numbers are stacked against the Stars. But, again, it's it's tough because you got to win four out of the next five. That's just reality. They're capable of doing that. Ottinger's probably going to have to stand on his head a couple of games and, and, and go balls out. I expect them to win game three. Right. Because they're that level of team. It, it, it's... It'll suck if they don't because this is a really good team and that'll bum me the hell out. But it is what it is, man. We'll see what happens. It's just, man, that was such a damn bummer. That that was the way it happened where you're up 2-1 with over two minutes to go and you're like, okay, here we go. Just hold it out. And then boom, it's tied. Boom, it's over. And essentially right. four minutes of game time. You That just, you man, that sucked. Dude, and then the way it happened, too. I mean, it was like, beep, 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 boom, goal. I mean, that is the one thing I do like about hockey, man. Goals and plays appear out of nowhere. It's like it's – you can't – it's hard to tell when it's coming. It just all of a sudden appears and it's there. Uh, But it's a a terrific play by Vegas. Uh, You know, Ottinger never really had a shot at it. Uh, Take some solace in this, Stars fans. Robo looks like he's he's showing up now. Looks like he's found his sea legs, and um, you know you need one more guy capable of putting the puck in the back of the net. And like I said, I expect him to come out um, and just play a really really good game in Game Three. That's the hope. I need to see it. I, I've got to have it, man. I, I I 
down 3-0, you really just kind of feel like all hope is lost. And I mean, it's happened. I think there's been four time, four teams in NHL history that have come back from an 0-3 hole. But I'd say hockey is the only sport where you where you go, well, maybe we got a shot. The slimmest of shots if it's 3-0, but ain't nobody trying to get down yeah. 3-0 just to find out. I mean, you're, you're still talking about 99% of the time. You, it, right. It's not going to happen. I mean, it, it, that's it, it's you don't want to mess with that, man. So the other thing, and, and we continue to, to bring this up, but it, it's, it's, it's just the frustration of the Rangers bullpen is elite. And I saw this stat from Evan last night when the Rangers bullpen came in and Pittsburgh ends up winning the game. Hernandez, Burke, LeClerc, Spores, or Boers, or however you say that dude's name, Kennedy, Hearn, Rodriguez, King, and Barlow. All the guys the Rangers have tried in the middle and setup roles, middle innings and setup roles, have combined in 93 innings pitched this year. They've allowed 14 home runs and have walked 40 batters in 93 innings. The walks bother me more than the homers. The walks is what is what drives me nuts. Now, here's an interesting fallout that we hadn't spent much time talking about, but I wonder how different it would be if DeGrom hadn't gotten hurt and Dunning, you know, was there to bring some stability to the middle to the middle innings, even if he was a guy who took you the sixth and the seventh and took it to the eighth. Could be. You know, of course, then again, maybe you had to pitch him so much because he's the only guy you trusted. You burned him out and he started getting shit. Yeah, you couldn't use him so, every day. Yeah, so I don't know, man. It's uh, uh, Here's the good part, so to speak. Tampa Bay ain't no better. Um, and they got the best record in the American League. Uh, their bullpen stinks um, probably just as bad as the Rangers does. Uh, lots of bullpens are suffering. So to me, it's a matter of uh, who's making the first move and who gets it done because the Rangers, my friends, will not be the only team looking for bullpen help. The Rangers bullpen currently is the fourth worst in Major League Baseball with an ERA of 4.8. Only three teams are worse than the Rangers, the Giants, the White Sox, and the A's, who suck. I mean, that's pretty bad. Their bullpen is 8-10 and 10 overall this season. And, and you look at that, man, it is – it's really, really rough. And then you start getting into – I mean, that's the totality of their bullpen. Right, right. The seventh inning or later, they're the fifth worst team in Major League Baseball. The second worst in the AL. Again, all those three teams that I mentioned are worse than them. The Cubs also seventh inning or later where they have an ERA. So the Rangers bullpen ERA is 4.8. Their ERA in the seventh inning or later is 4.9. You know, what's interesting is, so to speak, we thought that they were going, the bullpen was going to be the weak, weak link of this ball club. And it when, is. When the season started, we thought, okay, it looks great. The, the starters look great on paper. Uh, but, uh, you know, what's up uh, with the rest of them? And boom. Uh, the bullpen has been as advertised. It started off great, but then, you know, baseball is baseball. You will become whoever you're supposed to be. Yeah, and the reality of it is, is I think that, not think, I know, the starting pitching is better than you could have anticipated, and the lineup is much better than you could have anticipated. As a matter of fact, coming out of that that game on Sunday, because they swept Colorado over the weekend. I mean, they're still 29 and 18. They're still right. 11 games over 500, which is pretty damn good. I mean, I'll take that. 
every damn season. You you want to be 11 games over 500 with a week left in May? I mean, there's a very good chance if they can close out May just with – you don't have to do anything special. Just have a normal week here to close out May. You can be the division leader going into June. Yeah. But, see, I'm, I'm, you know how I am, bro. Just play good baseball. Figure out the bullpen. I mean, I don't know what to figure out. Nobody's throwing well. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, tell Bochy, hey, here's what you should do. Here's what I thought you should have done. But hopefully these guys will figure out uh, something. Because if you just play good baseball, man, the starters, here's, here's and again, I ain't breaking no news here. The starters have been terrific. The lineup has been terrific. How about this, Matt? And we haven't said this and we haven't talked about it at all in a long time. Defense has been really good. They don't have a lot of errors. They don't give away a lot of runs. Um, it's the bullpen. But, I mean, I guess the reality is there is no perfect team. There are teams that don't have hitting, teams that don't have starting pitching, teams that play bad defense. So, you know, I think it's more cute because when, you, when your bullpen's bad, you see victories disappear. Uh, and to me, that's the troubling part. It's just, it's just been coming off the Colorado win. And this is so this is before the week started and they went to Pittsburgh and all this. The Rangers had scored double digit runs 12 times, which leads the majors. They are number one in Major League Baseball, 297 runs scored coming out of the weekend, six and a half runs per game. Going into the week, they were tied with Tampa for the best batting average amongst any lineup in the major leagues with a 271 batting average. So, you know, again, this is a team, and even after the game against Pittsburgh last night, they are the first team in Major League Baseball to crack 300 runs scored. As a matter of fact, only four teams have scored more than 250 runs. So think about that. <laughs> The Rangers have 301 runs scored. St. Louis is fifth with 250. They are pounding the baseball, bro. I mean, this lineup, so the lineup has been a lot better than anticipated, and that's where I, th I think because of that, the bullpen troubles get exacerbated because it's such a glaring hole because everything else around it has been so, so good. Because now I, you almost look at it and you go, damn, dude. Like if the bullpen was worth the crap, this this is this might be the best team in baseball. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm telling you, bro. I think it's um, they're in a conversation, but they got to get the bullpen fixed. But I'm telling you, Tampa Bay's bullpen is just as bad. Um, they've blown uh, as many saves as the Rangers have, just not a higher percentage, I think. And so there's going to be a race to get these bullpen pieces from these bad teams, and let's hope the Rangers win that race. And that's what's right, because what's nuts is now the lead against Houston, because Houston's really started to come on, is only a game. But currently, as it sits, as we record this, they're still tied with Atlanta for the third best record in Major League Baseball. How about that? Or excuse me, fourth best record, because I, I, I forget. So you've got Tampa with 35, Baltimore has 30 wins, L.A. has 30, and then Texas and Atlanta with 29. So the fourth most wins in Major League Baseball. I'm taking it, man. Dude. I'll take that every year. Are you kidding me? You should take it. Nothing wrong with that. No, nah, nothing wrong with that at all, dude. I mean, and, you know, I read somebody on Twitter, and I can't remember uh, who it was, but they were whining about the loss last night. And I'm like, dude, number one is baseball. Number two, did you expect them to be 29 and 17? So just, just take a chill pill, bro. Just 
you know, it happens. It does happen. It does. And it's a very long season. Be happy that this appears to be a good team. Yes, because the window is, they said they want to make the playoffs this year. That was the goal. That is very realistic, extremely realistic. And with what we're seeing here and knowing what the farm system is, this is, they are starting to creak open that window to truly be competitive over the next several years, much like we saw going back 15 years ago. Yeah, I think that's coming, bro. I don't really have any doubt. The way they're constructed, uh, the way they're invested, the way they got prospects to make moves, I like it. I'm a big fan. I'm an absolute big fan. I'm also a big fan of HFX Foundation Solutions. Why? Because the weather in Texas will screw your foundation hardcore. You'll see cracks. You'll see sticking doors. You're like, what is going on with my home? You may not know. You may be like, oh, my God, my, is this my foundation? I don't know. I'm not a foundation person. That's why Aaron and his guys at HFX Foundation Solutions exist, because they can come over for a free, no-obligation inspection and let you know if you might potentially have a problem. Dude, you know, HFX, Aaron and his team over there, what they do is they give you peace of mind. They come over and check your house out, and they check all the insides, man, the stuff that you can't see. They get down and dirty with it and make sure that your house is up to snuff and ready to go. And they monitor it, man. And so what you want from a foundation is peace of mind because the worst thing you can tell somebody with a house is, hey, you got foundation issues. I mean, that'll get those heart palpitations going. Aaron and his crew at HFX give you peace of mind. That's what they give you. So give them a call. Let them come check out your house. Consultation's free. Let them do their thing and give the peace of mind that everybody deserves going into the summer. It's easy to do. They're local. They're family-owned. 817-770-0174. It's HFX Foundation Solutions. So check those boys out. So before we wrap it up here in the last couple of minutes, I got to throw this out there because... I, I didn't think that Wilt Chamberlain's records would be broken in the NBA because that yes. dude played in a time in which he was he was Gulliver in the land of Lilliputians and right. just dominated. And last night, the Denver Nuggets swept the Los Angeles Lakers and Jokic had another triple-double and broke Wilt Chamberlain's record for most triple-doubles in a postseason, and he still got the NBA Finals to play in. No, he's, uh, you know, I mean, really, bro, he's moving into that class where I think the people in the NBA have known he's the best player and he's basically unstoppable. But now, you know, Denver is finally getting on a national stage and everybody can see that he's an unstoppable force. Uh, I mean, he made some buckets last night and you're just like, oh, my God. And, uh, you know, I was listening to Bomani Jones the other day, and he he made, he pointed out something interesting I hadn't thought about, which is the way he plays, he can play like this for a long time, meaning he's not he's not John Morant. He's not above the rim guy, mm-hmm. which at a certain point you'd be like, hey, you're not going to be above the rim forever, man. He's not Allen Iverson who got you with quickness and speed, and at a certain point that goes away. No, he don't play like that at all. He plays more like a seven-foot Luca in terms of very slow, very deliberate. You know, he doesn't jump very much, you know, but he's so strong and get where he wants to go. And his he got an old man game already. So when he becomes an old man, the game ain't going to change. 
Um, and he's going to be doing this for a minute, bro. I mean, he's already won back-to-back MVPs, and most people didn't pay attention. Yeah. And, and he could have won it this year, and there'd been no fuss about it, except, you know, people got all up in arms. Uh, but uh, he, I mean, he's the truth right now. And here's the thing. He got guys who can run with him. He's the truth, the best player, okay? Well, no, there's really not dispute about that. And then he got Jamal Murray throwing up 20-point quarters on the regular. Yeah, yeah. Michael Porter um, Jr. who can sw- who can hoop, man. I mean, it, it, you know, Gordon. Aaron Gordon is their yeah. fourth or fifth best guy. They are good, and they are deep. And if don't nobody else believe, they believe. And it, belief, you know, is, is half the battle. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that dude put up 30 with 14 rebounds and 13 assists last night. He does that. He is incredible. He's incredible. And I'm glad that he's finally going to be on a national scale. And I will say is you have to hope that, you know, and I saw that thing you sent over a couple of days ago that Luca is working with the nutritionist now over in Slovenia. Right. And you hope that the light's gone off for, because again, he, Jokic has been in the NBA for several years now. I think this is his eighth season. He just turned 28. But he didn't get to this level until he turned 25 or so. And Luca just turned 24 this past year. And the hope now is that Luca, the light's starting to go off, and he realizes that to be great and to be the level he wants to be, he's going to have to do some extra things. Yeah, and I think he's – I I anticipate him figuring that out. I hope he's figured that out. Uh, I think he wants to be great. And certain things you got to do if you want to be great, and that's cool. Um, he's still pl- got plenty of time to get there. And what we're talking about with Luka is the best of the best. I mean, he's already right, a great right. player. Like, um, Go ahead. Put yourself on the Jokic level. Like, elevate yeah. yourself to make that jump into elite. Because Jokic in the last three seasons, as you mentioned, back-to-back MVPs, probably has been the best player in the NBA the last three years. And now it's correlating into postseason success as Denver goes to the NBA finals for the first time ever. And, and, and they're going to play Miami. It'll be them. And, and Denver will be favored to beat Miami, but we'll see. Cause I mean, Jimmy Butler is like refusing to lead, to lose. So. All right. I'm going to shift topics very quickly, but uh, before we bounce. Yeah. Because it popped up at the gym with my boy this morning. And then I just saw something on uh, Facebook a little while ago, but one of the guys I went to high school with put out, look at LeBron with all those points in the fourth quarter, probably won't do anything in the, um, in, the, in, in the fourth quarter in the second half. And my boy was talking about this morning, he was like, um, man, I don't know about LeBron, he didn't do this. I said, dude, are we, I love you, but are we really going to slander LeBron after 31 points in the first half? And so when I got back, man, I actually looked at the box score. LeBron James, 38 years old, 15 of 25 from the field, 40 points, 10 rebounds, 48 fucking minutes. And people are just like, oh, he's not that good. He's slandered. Jordan would have done this. Kobe would have done that. And I'm just like, what is wrong with y'all, man? Like, I just don't get it, bro. I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I, I think at this point it's what it is. LeBron is the, the reality of it is those of us that are a little older that grew up in a certain era. It, it it's never going to change. And those, pretty much everybody I know that says LeBron is the goat of all time never saw anybody else play and grew up in the LeBron era. So there, it's okay, great. He's your goat. Kick ass. 
He's up there. I, I don't think that there's any argument around that. He's one of the top five NBA players in history. How well, you want to pick I'm, and choose out of that, I you you can decide. Well, see, that's my point. Like, I just don't understand why people can't just recognize he's a great player and that, and leave it at that. It's you know why you can't appreciate his greatness. Why you? Because there's nothing you could. And you know, here's the thing. So I was thinking about this. So at the end of the game. Um, he comes down, and he's he's. I'm going to take the last shot, and it's a bad decision. They they tie him up. And it's basically you know, block his shot, jump ball, whatever. But you know what happens if he passes the ball? Well, LeBron never wanted to take the last shot. He just doesn't have this Kobe thing. And I was just like, you know what, man? It's I, I think it's because as a what I've always appreciated was greatness more than anything, and so I just appreciate great players. I don't necessarily get into comparing them. I just appreciate their individual greatness. And I just wish more people did that because the dude is 38 years old and just averaged 28 points, nine rebounds, and eight assists. He's it, – yes. It's just – I've never understood that. And I'm a Jordan guy. I mean, I grew up with Jordan. Right. But to act like LeBron is not one of the greatest and in the conversation and on that level, it just doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, like, you could be a Kobe guy and be like, right. oh, you know, Jordan was this or LeBron is that. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to rip one to claim that your, your dude is, you know, this or that. Right, because reality of it is the eras are all different. The rules are different. The way they call the game is different, and it's never going to be the same. So just enjoy your guy and, and realize right. that Jordan was better than whoever your other guy was. So Yeah. There you go. I don't know. It just frustrates me sometimes. All right, kids, that's the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back. We'll have another one before we wrap up the week and roll into Memorial Day weekend. I can't believe it. It's like the summer. It's here. Here we go. May is already out. Crazy, man. Hell yeah. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.